0: Climate Solutions is a new podcast that shows you how bad things are. Then it makes you feel a lot better by telling you exactly what you can do to fight climate change. With episodes on food, digitalization, mobility and biodiversity. Look for Climate Solutions wherever you listen to podcasts or go to eib.org forward slash climate solutions.
1: Hello and welcome to the Heredity Podcast with me, Dr. James Bergen. As we approach the end of the year, we've decided to do something a little bit different here at the Heredity Podcast. We're starting a new series of special episodes dedicated to getting to know our editorial team. Who are they? What do they do at Heredity? What do they personally research? What are they passionate about? And what do they look for in a good paper for Heredity? These questions and so many more will be answered in these episodes, which we're going to alternate with our regular episodes focused on new research papers in the journal. And first up, we're going to get to know one of our crop experts, Dr. Alison Bentley. So welcome, Alison, to the Heredity Podcast, and actually the first in our new editor series. Just to get us started, maybe you could introduce yourself.
0: Yeah, I'm Alison Bentley. I lead the genetics and breeding uh, department and research program at NIAB, which is a plant sciences organization uh, located in Cambridge. I've been a Heredity editor for uh, just over a year now, and I took over in the area of quantitative genetics, population genetics, as it relates to crops and the application of genetic and genomic methods uh, and technologies uh, in plant and crop species.
1: So um, I want to get onto your role at Heredity in a minute, but one of the main aims of starting this series is to really get to know the people behind the journal. Um, And if anybody reads your online bio they'll discover that you lead a team of over 40 scientists. So what is it that your research actually focuses on with so many people?
0: Yeah, so we have a lot of people, but we have quite a specific focus, which is really about crop genetic improvement. So the question we ask is how do we take a challenge like crop nitrogen use and address that from the perspective of what research you might Need to do to provide new solutions for a real agricultural challenge. Um, And so we do quite a wide range of projects, but they really all fall in the sphere of crop genetic improvement. So are you asking a question that could be practically implemented at some point, not necessarily in the near term, but to improve uh, a crop species? So that work stretches quite widely. So we have people in the group who are working on a grain quality and very specific aspects of grain quality through to some of my work, which is really about in the field, what can you observe in terms of crop nitrogen response or crop water response? And then how can you work backwards to ask what the genetic underpinnings of that is? And then what kind of more fundamental knowledge do you need to generate or draw in from other fields um, to address that?
1: Oh, fantastic. And I guess... You kind of mentioned that there are lots of people, there's quite a lot of projects. Um, And it might be a mean question, but I wonder if you have any projects within this that are a particular favorite.
0: Yeah, I guess our our pre-breeding work has really been the foundation of everything that we do. So we're a relatively young research group, research department. So we were formed only about 12 years ago to really address this gap in the arable Sector about how do we kind of mobilize findings from research into something that things and technologies that people can use. And when it started, the real question was if we want to do this kind of translational research or biological research in a crop species, we need to have the resources available that we can dive into to answer any of these production questions. So we started this thing called pre-breeding. So we're not releasing commercial varieties from that, but we're developing a pool of germplasm material, which we can then use to really deliver impacts to the industry. And so this area of pre-breeding is really the thing I'm most kind of evangelical about, if you like, because (laughs) it's taken a long time to generate genetic resources that allow us to then do biological research at scale. I spent my first three years at NIAB, mostly in the glass house, making crosses between different lines. And the reason for, for generating those resources was really so we could, down the line where we are now, start to use those resources. And I think the challenge in that area is you develop the kind of first set of resources and start using them but you then need to think, okay, what resources are we now missing? And we need to enter a kind of second phase of generating resources. So this process of kind of thinking about what are the resources that are going to underpin our research in five years, in 10 years, um, is kind of a continually evolving process. And and it's potentially, it's probably not the most uh, exotic kind <laughs> of work that we do, but it's really important to generate these foundational resources. And that's why they have a big place in in my heart it's a lot of work to do but it really pays dividends when you start to ask biological questions
1: no it, it does sound really good and i think a lot of work is probably a euphemism this sounds like an incredible amount of research effort and i guess when you're talking about crops there's sort of an implied obvious uh, sort of functional role for it um, but i wonder for you personally why you think this work is so important like what is it that is driving you to go to these efforts
0: Yeah, I always wanted to work in in plant breeding and crop improvement. And I think when you think about where we're heading as a civilization, you know, we we really all need food to eat. And I think there are so many statistics now, so many reports that tell us that we need more food to feed more people, you know, foods at the root of kind of conflict, um, of politics, you know, all of these things are really rotating outwards from our ability to produce food. And I think we've kind of focused on on the need to meet that growing population's demand and this growing awareness that the environment is really important in that Uh, as well. And and now I think we can start to ask questions about the equality of food and nutritional access as well and say, you know, we can produce food uh, in big volumes, but we also need to think about how we get that food or how we get the seed that produces that food uh, to the people who need it. How do we support it to be productive in all of the environments it needs to grow in across the world? And then how do we use food or, you know, staple crops to deliver Nutritional security uh, to people around the world. So, this is really what's always motivated me. I started my career uh, in the Mekong Delta of Vietnam, asking these same questions, but kind of from the very ground up like, I'm in a village, how do I help to enable um, kind of reliable food supply for people living in marginal communities? Um, And so, I think that's for me my motivation. And I think all of the work uh, that we do doesn't necessarily feed into that kind of direct narrative, but it's really driven by that. How do we uh, deliver impacts or the next step along a pathway to understanding how we can deliver safe and nutritious uh, and valuable and equitable food to growing populations?
1: No, it, it definitely sounds like incredibly important work and uh, i'm slightly envious of your time in vietnam that seems like a really good country to be working on food
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it was it was an interesting experience and i think having the ambition to you know to have this kind of impact it was important to realize that doing that um kind of a village at a time wasn't a scalable solution and i think a lot of research in this area is still asking the question how do you scale these things how do you make these things you know, any kind of innovation in, in management or genetics, how do you enable this to go beyond the direct study area or that community, you know, into the wider world?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I guess this is a, a nice time to kind of move on to your role here at Heredity, because you're obviously bringing in a huge wealth of experience and a sort of really broad perspective about what's actually important in a lot of the research that we're doing. So I wonder if you could just tell us what it is that you actually do at the journal and why it was that you kind of got sucked into the team. Why was this important for you?
0: Yeah, so I was recommended for the role from one of the outgoing editors. And I think it was really to bring the perspective from the crop side, which and often in the crop side, we take a much higher level kind of context view first. So we say, why is this important? And then we do the science that kind of uh, leads us to address that challenge. Um, So I came in to really bring in or enhance that application perspective so to identify and handle papers that dealt more with how do we apply genetics or heredity or you know inheritance information into the breeding of better crops or to understanding more about plant species and their plasticity and their environmental adaptation so i think and i hope that that's (laughs) the expertise that i bring to heredity
1: yeah, no, definitely. And I wonder why you think people should consider publishing this kind of research in Heredity.
0: So the the first thing is, um, and I've recently been talking to Barbara about this is that it's a society journal. It's the official journal of the Genetic Society, which is a really important learned society, but also a network of geneticists uh, in the UK and further afield. Um, And I think, you know, as publishing's changing, it is really important to acknowledge the role of society journals and what they give back to the community that they represent. So that's the kind of um, moral stance on why people should Submit the heredity. <laughs> but I also think, having become an editor, you know, it's not typically a journal that you would think of if you work in applied uh, crop science research. But if you pick up an edition of heredity, you can learn a huge amount that's not outside your field, but in a field that's kind of adjacent to yours that you might not necessarily be aware of. And I think that's the that's the thing it brings, that it has this focus on inheritance or heredity, these kind of fundamental uh, aspects of genetics. Uh, and then it, you have all of these kind of case studies about how you can use uh, inheritance information in lots of different ways. So I think uniting it and that kind of interesting adjacency of lots of different fields, but united by... Genetics uh, is really a unique selling point for me of Heredity and what it offers.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And GenSoc, they supported me a lot during my PhD studies. It is it is a very generous organisation.
0: Yeah, no, you've got to realise, I think, yeah, the money comes from somewhere. And it is a huge supporter of uh, UK genetics, really from, you know, across such a wide range of disciplines all united and underpinned by genetics and I think yeah it is really important to realize the money to support especially early career scientists um, and to offer lots of training and travel opportunities a lot of that is because they have society journals so it is important to support that.
1: Yeah yeah, definitely I completely agree and I guess sort of like the last thing I want to know about you from an editor perspective is what you look for when a paper comes to you.
0: Yeah, I think I always ask the question about what's the narrative like. What's the what's this paper telling us about the specific subject area it's in, but what's it telling us more widely about how we can apply genetic information into you know any different context within the plant or crop species, and so that's what uh, really excites me when I get a paper. You know, it might be something that's you know, in a non-crop species, so an experimental system or a a native plant. And it always is, does this ask me the question, how could I apply this in another system? Uh, And that's what I really look for to say, is this kind of more broadly applicable in the area of genetics, genomics, uh, understanding of inheritance?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that is a real strength of a lot of these heredity papers. You kind of you read the title and it sounds very niche and then you read the paper and you realise it's just full of broad messages.
0: Yeah, I could do this. Oh, I should do this. Yeah, like this is not a way I would have thought about doing this, but it could be really interesting if you could apply this in wheat or potato or, you know, a, di- a different species.
1: Nice. So I guess, um, do you have a favourite paper that you've worked on?
0: Yeah, so one that I've worked on quite recently was about how you apply genomic prediction, which is a quantitative genetic kind of breeding tool in coffee in multiple environments. Uh, and this was really cool. You know, coffee is something that most of us caffeine addicts encounter in our day-to-day, <laughs> day-to-day lives. Um, and it's kind of conventionally produced and conventionally bred. And so this was asking the question, could you use genomic selection? So we quantitative breeding tool um, to increase genetic gain per unit time. So basically to make better coffee and also was recognizing that coffee's grown across a wide uh, geographical area. So, how can you incorporate information about multiple environments and their production conditions? So, for me, we applied genomic you know, prediction in annual crops and it's relatively straightforward. Now, you know, obviously there's still some complexity, but applying it in things like coffee and other tree species, this is really cool. And I think for me, that was a really nice paper about thinking about some of the statistical models uh, and the information you would need to allow accurate genomic prediction in coffee. Mm,
1: fantastic. That, that is interesting. I do actually remember that paper, and it, it is a very good yeah. one. And it's coffee, which immediately buys.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> loves the coffee paper.
1: <laughs> so um, I only have one question left to ask you. And part of the real reason we're doing this series is to really get to know what is driving our editors, what they're really passionate about. So I wonder if there's anything else sort of in your career that you are really active about promoting or advocating?
0: Yeah, so the thing I'm really passionate about is the next generation of uh, plant scientists and crop scientists. Uh, And I think it's really important that we recognise and foster That next generation, and I think especially working in crop science in the area of applied translational research, sometimes it's not the obvious choice. You know, someone doing an undergraduate degree will talk to their lecturers in the in you know after a lecture and say, you know, I'm interested in career in science. What should I do? And the answer will usually be, and probably not speaking for (laughs) everyone, but you know, oh, you could do a a PhD in my lab, and we could kind of um, explore some question that's related to the work that I'm doing. And I think we kind of um, need to think a bit more holistically about the opportunities that are available in in plant science, in crop science, in genetics, and how you can use that knowledge and apply it more widely. And so I think from crop science, we're not always the obvious choice for someone, an undergraduate who's thinking about their next steps. Um, And some of that is because the data that you generate takes a long time you know if you need to make crosses or have a field experiment that's going to take a lot more time than growing some plants very quickly in the lab or doing some molecular biology but i think trying to to show people that we can now do really exciting science in crop species so in the species in which they'll have impacts is something that i'm really passionate about showing you know wheat is now a really well-resourced crop. So it could also be argued that wheat is a really well-resourced model species. So let's ask some of these kind of traditionally fundamental scientific questions in the crops we work on. And let's train the next generation of scientists to think clearly across scales. So from the gene, how does this translate into the whole field? And how do I bring in multiple disciplines to help me get that scaling so that's that's the kind of thing i'm trying to work out how we train that next generation of scientists who'll be able to address that and be really excited about you know it's a challenge this food production challenge and it's it's real. you know it's people's lives but how do we really kind of get the science base behind that to deliver real impacts into society
1: Uh, yeah I, i completely agree it is a somewhat overlooked area but it is super important and it's really interesting Okay, perfect. Well, that is everything I had to ask. So thank you very much for taking the time to discuss your research and discuss heredity. And hopefully some people in crop science will listen to this and think about publishing some work with us.
0: Can we also plug our upcoming special issue of heredity?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Lindsay Leach from the University of Birmingham and I are putting together a special issue on plant quantitative genetics from theory to practice. Um, And we're really excited about this because Heredity may not be the obvious choice for a crop science article, but I think what we're trying to do with this special issue is bring together different perspectives, some review pieces, and some original research on how you actually take plant quantitative genetic information from the theoretical framework of things like genomic prediction or quantitative trait dissection, uh, and then some examples of how you use that um, to make progress in plant or crop breeding.
1: Hopefully you're feeling inspired by Alison to submit your crop science papers here to Heredity. You can find out how to do that on our website. That's nature.com forward slash HDY. And if you want some inspiration, the paper that Alison talked about is called Accurate Genomic Prediction of Coffee Cinephora in Multiple Environments Using Whole Genome Statistical Models by Farah et al. Also, please do keep your eyes peeled for the special issue that Alison mentioned, which is coming out next year. To make sure you don't miss it, why not give us a follow on Twitter at Heredity Journal. And to make sure you don't miss an episode of the podcast, why not subscribe in a podcatcher of your choice? But for today, that's us. As always, if you want to get in touch with me, please do drop me an email at hereditypodcast.gen at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm James Bergen. Thanks for listening.